0: And we are back with another summer edition of the Limited Upside podcast for a preview of the Memphis Grizzlies. We had Grizzly Bear blues writer Joe Molinax joining us. Mike Prada and I, as always. I'm Ben Epstein. It was a It was a good pod. This was one uh, where we had a little bit of um, Mike going one way, Joe going another way. I tried to moderate. It was fun. We had the ability to, to have a good conversation about a really interesting team that could go in a number of directions. So I don't want to hold up too much of the details, but it was a good free-flowing conversation. I think you're all going to like it a lot, but before you listen to it. Please subscribe, rate, review, all those good things you always do wherever you get our podcast, uh, whether that's iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, look for, looking for us on platform where you can find us on SBNation.com backslash MBA. Uh, you can always send us questions. We get to the fan questions every single show. You'll see them in this one. They help move us along. They help keep the show interesting. And we use them to push the plot of these fun season previews we've been doing by team uh, by team. So you can uh, send those. Questions too. Mike Prada at sbnation.com, at Mike Prada SBN on Twitter, or at Limited underscore Upside on Twitter, or at me, at me. I answer questions too. I can I can take them. I'm at EpiBen. So shoot us those questions. Bunch of team previews coming up. Dallas Mavericks are next, so Mavs fans get it. Uh, get your questions locked and loaded. But this is a good one on the Memphis Grizzlies. So enjoy the Limited Upside podcast.
1: All right, Memphis Grizzlies, Joe Molinax, Grizzly Bear Blues. Joe did you get injured last year? did you stay healthy for the last twelve months i you know,
2: i I pulled my uh my fingers typing uh <laughs> oh, writing no. so many posts about <laughs> injuries and reports and the the terrible combination of injury and report together. Uh, that, that Grizzlies fans became so accustomed to. You know, guys, it, it was a rough season, uh, a historical one in all of the wrong ways. Um, <laughs> the Grizzlies definitely limped to the finish, and, and they were a team that was not very fun to watch at the end.
0: Oh, no. uh, it was kind of <laughs> like
2: being a captain on, on the Titanic. You just you wanted to go down with your ship, and you knew that's what was going to happen going into yeah. that playoff series with the Spurs, and it just kind of was what it was. And you you watched them fight. They didn't quit which is something that, you know, I would say to my, as a high school football coach, I would say that to my kids, you know, great job. You didn't quit, but you, you don't want to necessarily say that to a professional basketball team. So well, did, it, Dave
1: Yeager it, did, did he not at the end of the year?
2: Uh, he, he, you know, he, the, the Jaeger situation I know we'll talk about a little bit more in depth. It's an interesting story and it's an interesting guy. And how it all played out just kind of put a nice little cap on what was that just terrible season for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, good basketball coach, but it was time for him to go.
0: It's funny. I have a nice parallel, too. Uh, I was part of your injury scenario last year, too. That's I right. tore my Achilles on the same night that you lost to oh, Chalmers. Chalmers. Uh, <laughs> minutes apart, we tore our Achilles both playing basketball similar Jeez. levels you know mine yeah, was you know. recreational in brooklyn and his was uh in the nba but uh anyhow so i, I remember being in the emergency room and on television is sports center playing and i'm like oh thank god some basketball highlights i get my mind off of the positive things in basketball now and, <laughs> and they're like they like if no. you're turn away here's my challenge if, like, no. if you're looking
2: for positivity the memphis grizzlies were not the place to find <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. that that was a poor choice
0: Right away, I should I should have turned my my gaze. But uh, but let's let's uh, we can might as well get right into Jaeger. He's a huge part of this scenario, right? So the the injuries combined with well, it is now a a coach who we we talked about a few podcasts back with with Sacramento. Uh, let's talk about what you what are you what are your thoughts on on that firing and and obviously uh, uh, the new situation uh, a, a in town as well. I think in a city like Memphis, Tennessee, and with an organization
2: like the Grizzlies, you you need to be all in. And Mm -hmm. Dave Yeager was not all in. He had a flirtation with the Minnesota Timberwolves a year or two ago that led to a contract extension. And it seemed like he was kind of playing hardball again, and he wanted to go talk to this team. He wanted to talk to Sacramento, and and he was looking for a better contract, was the reports. And he said all season long, you know, these things come out after the fact. You know, media members sometimes know these things and don't report them until it's all said and done. You know, but Dave Yeager would say things like, you know, I'm coaching for my next contract. He, He was looking ahead. And he was whether it was in Memphis or whether it was in Sacramento or wherever it may have been, he wanted to be paid the way that he thought he should be paid. That's Mm -hmm. not necessarily going to happen in Memphis. Uh, I think Memphis and uh, Robert Perra, the majority owner, I think they're willing to pay. But at the same time, they're not going to be bullied into it, if that makes sense. And it was kind of one of those scenarios where he was trying to have his cake and eat it too. He was trying to play off the emotions of the moment. Uh, Dave Yeager was trying to just get paid and yep. the the mem- and Memphis wasn't going to be forced into that. And once you do it a couple of times, I mean, your, your loyalty is questioned. And even with the crying at the Paris conference at the end of the season and, you know, everybody had all the, oh, that's my coach, man. You know, like <laughs> T.O. It was kind of like, yeah. like Torello. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. That's my coach, man. <laughs> you know, um,
1: but that's. You also can't happened. really blame him on some, some level. He was like one of the lowest paid coaches in the league. I mean, his, sure. shouldn't shouldn't Memphis have kind of – he's a good coach. So like shouldn't Memphis have long ago uh, maybe given him a little more money?
2: I think you can make an argument for that. But again, it, it goes a little bit deeper into okay. him – Trying to strong arm, you know, the, the leveraging. The, the Grizzlies mm-hmm. weren't going to be leveraged into it. I, you could certainly argue he deserved a pay raise, and I still think Dave Yeager is a very good football coach, but or excuse me, basketball <laughs> coach. He
1: might be a he good, be a good coach. football coach, football coach mine,
0: too. Excuse me. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, we'll talk football later if you want.
2: No, no, I'm I'm in a different spot. Um, But anyway. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, He's a very good basketball coach and he's a guy who is going to be successful in Sacramento. I think you're going to see an improvement in them. But at the same time, how much is that worth in terms of giving over certain aspects of control? And if there's one thing that we learned about Robert Pera, who's very mysterious as an owner, uh, he, he is going to make sure that he has the leverage. He's, whether it's a, somebody on the ground in Memphis watching the day-to-day operations for him, or whether it's you know him flying in for a game every once in a while, he may not be physically present a ton, but sure. his presence is felt in that organization. Oh, yeah. And if a small guy too. To play the way he wants, yeah. he's going to get rid of you. Is, and is that's, part of
0: that scene though in in the new coaching hire with uh, David Fisdale, to to give a guy his first head coaching job is inherent leverage.
2: I think that's probably part of it. I think that when you look at David Fisdale, the guy that they're bringing in now, uh, a big part, a big piece of him in terms of what value he brings to Memphis is player development. Okay. And in his opening presser, David Fisdale said something that really kind of stuck out to me. He said, It doesn't matter if you're a rookie or a veteran, everybody can still be developed. Everybody mm-hmm. has aspects to their game that they can still add to, whether it's Zach Randolph or Deontay Davis up and down the roster in terms of age. Mm-hmm. So, he is interested in – and this is something that the Grizzlies have struggled with. He is interested in developing the player, getting the most out of the potential of the player. Whatever he has on his roster, he is going to try to squeeze every little bit of juice out of that guy and get as much as he can out of him into his schemes, whatever they may be. I think you'll see a little bit of uh, of Miami there. He obviously has history with uh, – Golden State Warriors and other places that he's coached. Yeah, I, his schemes are going to be kind of a hybrid of things, Spolstra probably being the major player, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's really going to be a focus on taking what you have on the roster and making the most of it because that is where the Grizzlies are right now. After the signing of Chandler Parsons, re-signing Mike Conley, they essentially have a massive chunk of their salary cap in three guys for the next three to four seasons. So mm-hmm. you, you're going to have to make the most of what you got with the pieces you have.
1: Yeah, three guys who are, by the way, in the older than I don't remember what, how old is Parsons 27 and everybody else is older so there's all that but that being said it was kind of a coup of an offseason in a lot of ways for Memphis you know Fizdale has been up a lot of teams have wanted to bring him in as their head coach and Fisdale has resisted waiting for the right job and for Memphis to be the right job that's a coup Getting Conley back on the first day of free agency, that was a coup. And then getting Chandler Parsons, that came out of nowhere. I think a lot of nobody expected Chandler Parsons to go to Memphis of all teams. So, all in all, with the Grizzlies kind of backed into a corner, they came out pretty well in free agency.
2: Now, I'm gonna have to correct you there for a second. Uh, I, and I hate to do this. the The guys that pat themselves on the back, they drive me crazy. But I actually did, in fact call Chandler Parsons to Memphis. I <laughs> wrote an article about it the week before free agency started. I said it would be a match made in heaven, and that's exactly what happened. Now, granted, yes. I, I've said we should trade Zebo. <laughs> I, I said Jeff Green was the answer at a time, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly. I'm not batting a 1,000 by any stretch, but I did I did like the Chandler Parsons signing before it happened. And it was a coup of an offseason. I think that's a great way to put it. They did everything they possibly could have done. They, they brought Mike Conley back. They reached for the very top of their realistic targets in terms of Chandler Parsons. They took advantage of a situation in Dallas where it, for whatever reason— didn't work out to either side's liking. Um, Mm -hmm. You can read into it on both sides of the coin there. And at the end of the day, you know, people judge the Grizzlies. And obviously the major story when Conley did agree to that new contract – Uh, Oh, Mike Conley. Who's Mike Conley? How can he sign this deal? He's making all this money. But people conveniently leave out that if Memphis didn't offer him that money, Dallas was going to do the same thing just with four years instead of five. If Chandler Parsons had not chosen Memphis, the Portland Trailblazers would have Chandler Parsons on their team instead of Evan Turner. So, you know, revisionist history is pretty fun to play. But at the same time, if you're being fair, the Memphis Grizzlies had a tremendous offseason because they found, A, a way to got, to bring in a marquee, for lack of a better word. Marquee might be a little strong, but a very, very, very good free agent. The best free agent that the Grizzlies have ever signed. Uh, they bring in Chandler Parsons. They keep their own again, which Memphis has now shown they can do with Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, Marcus All, and Mike Conley. And now, in theory, you have solved a major part of the problem. You have brought to the table – a guy that can score the basketball from range—is it too little, too late? You can certainly make that argument, but it sure. is—it uh, is a positive development to say the least. And then their NBA draft was great. I was they get say, we should talk Davis. About the draft Davis. They yeah. get yeah. Wade Baldwin. They have a lot of good young pieces. They're trying to rebuild at the same time yeah. as they are trying to stay competitive. And it's remarkable that they're actually kind of being successful now. How competitive they'll be, I think that's fair to debate.
1: Well. I also think it's sort of one thing you have to worry about is is was this, it's a victory in the short term. But the victory – now, I'm not saying that they should have done something different because they were just totally – you look at the way they're – the direction of the franchise, they're kind of backed into a corner with this summer. You either keep Mike Conley or, like, what are you going to be for the next four or five years? I mean, that the, there was a rock and a hard place. But their victory was they have a injury – Mike Conley, who's coming off a lot of injuries – uh, on a 5 year deal at age uh, 29 I believe 28. 28 28 turning 29 uh you have Parsons who again, great free agent signing but also has had several knee issues and then you have Marcus Soll coming off a broken foot still with 4 years left on his deal when he is 32 31
0: 31 yeah yeah 31
1: yeah. so it was a great victory at the same time like this this could be a lot of long term pain if if some of this some of the injury dice roll goes wrong
2: they did the best that they could, and I, I think that is important. Yeah. I think that's important to state. Um, they're, they're in a tough spot. They invested in a Zach Randolph and a Tony Allen, uh, two players who in the modern NBA are limited and that's probably being kind. Mm-hmm. You you look at a guy like a Chandler Parsons who has his flaws. Health is a major concern. But if Chandler Parsons is able to stay healthy, he's exactly what this team has needed. And he's the best wing that they've had during this era of Memphis Grizzlies basketball. If Marcus can stay healthy, he's proven to be one of, if not the best, center in the NBA. And then Mike Conley is a player who, in this system of David Fisdale, could theoretically flourish. You know, you have a Koran Dragic, you have other players who have played pretty well with David Fisdale at the helm or in a Mm -hmm. role of developing scheme and game plan. So you can look at the glass half empty or half full if you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan. And there are plenty of people who share the same concerns you do. But the way I look at it is in a city like Memphis with the love that they have for the roster that was established, you're walking a fine line it's a fan base that you're still developing. They just celebrated their 15th year being in Memphis, Tennessee. So mm-hmm. they're still kind of growing into the community, and it's a pretty strong bond at this point. But do you really want to piss off the entire fan base by blowing up the roster for something that you can't say is going to be good when they've seen these guys be successful? And it also comes down to your definition of success.
0: Are That's the Grizzlies going to so. win an
2: NBA championship? Yeah. Probably not. But who else is, aside from Golden State and Cleveland? I, can think, I think you can argue nobody. Well, only, <laughs> so,
1: one. only one can. Right. So, and
2: that's where Memphis finds themselves. They're in a spot where they're competitive. They're in a spot where if they miss the playoffs, some people wouldn't be surprised, but I think a majority of folks would still be surprised. They're a talented team. If they stay healthy, and you can say that about a lot of squads, look at the Milwaukee Bucks just recently. I mean, losing Middleton kills them. So you could say the same thing for any team. Uh, if, if they can find a way to stay healthy, there's no reason that they can't be in the place that they've been. And then now if Chandler Parsons can rise up and continue to develop into a lead scorer on a team or close to a lead scorer, I think you have something pretty special that is potentially there.
0: Ooh, man! I, I, Parsons looks to pass too, though he's a facilitator uh, as well. Which is good. Which is good. I like which that. Which is good. Yeah, for sure. Which I think is important in any in any good player and any good teammate who wants to kind of assimilate into a new roster that's definitely very defined with a hierarchy. I also think there's gonna be a. Uh, I mean, we should we kind of glossed over like and Marcus is coming back, but there's going to be a nice, um, you know, reflex, if you will, to him coming back just in the Western Conference in general. Like his presence is important. He was a defensive force for years and also one of the best facilitating big men score. His jump shot, obviously, was getting to a point where he was a go to you know, work the offense out of the player. Do you see that uh, this type of offense under Fizdale, uh, you know, with Parsons, like we just talked about, is going to become kind of uh, we'll call it more modernized? Prado, why don't you first take a crack at this and then, uh, know, and then Joe, you tell me what you think.
1: I, I, I'm I'm really curious. Like, how is this going to work? Like, I, like Fiz, what is their style going to be? Because it's. You wrote an article, I believe. You said this was like kind of grit and grind is dead to be replaced by the <laughs> what was it like the next evolution of grit and grind, right? It wasn't like right. You wrote that's I'm summing this up appropriately, sure.
2: right? So what yes, is this? Grit and grind is dead. We killed it at GrizzlyBearBlues.com. Uh, Matt, <laughs> one of our writers, Matt arlico killed it initially. He does this great Grizzlies book club. Uh, piece that he does every summer and he killed grit and grind and then I buried it that's kind of how it worked (laughs) that week I I followed up on him and said hey you can kill an era and you can move on from an era and still utilize the pieces that help make that era great that was kind of the argument yeah
1: so so what are they gonna how are they gonna play I I don't have a really good handle on this because I, I think with Parsons there's there was some in Dallas, they sort of shifted him a lot between roles. There were some times where he was playing a lot more out of pick and roll, but there were also times that he swung up to 4. And I mean Dallas plays a much more open style than Memphis, even this Memphis team. But I, I what I'm not really sure what kind of style they're going to have. I mean, are they going to bring Zach Randolph off the bench and let him post up second units and play Parsons at the 4, but then who's the extra wing they put in? So, I don't have a really good sense of how they're going to play. I mean, what's your best guess?
2: I think the best guess is they'll start the season with Conley, Allen, Parsons, Randolph, and Gasol. Mm -hmm. I think that's how they'll start. Now, that's not necessarily how they'll finish, and that's not necessarily who will get the most minutes. Uh, To me, Zach Randolph is a little bit easier to fit in because he has shown, believe it or not, that he can play center. Now, he's certainly not a rim protector. He's not going to dominate the lane, but in Roles where if he's playing alongside a Brandon Wright or if he's playing alongside a Jermichael Green, these are guys who are athletic enough, long enough, a combination of both in the case of Wright, where they can kind of correct for Randolph's lack of rim protection and kind of help him a little bit. So Zach has possible fits. How he fits alongside Parsons as a four is a little bit more questionable. So I could see Zach Randolph starting at power forward, and I could see him playing a decent bit of backup center. When it comes to Tony Allen, uh, that's the guy that's the challenge to me because on one hand, again, you have a tremendous perimeter defender, arguably the best in the NBA at that, but at the same time, he can't shoot the basketball, and and he plays shooting guard, and I know positions are dying and all that, but the technical name is shooting guard, and he can't shoot, so (laughs) – where, where do you find a spot for him? Is it as a starter? Well, do you limit his minutes in that role? Is it as a bench player? Well, now you're worrying about the psyche. You talked about the hierarchy earlier on the Grizzlies. Mark Gasol, uh, Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, Mike Conley, they're a very close-knit group, very tight locker room. Do you, as David Fisdale come in and just blow all of that up? I don't know. It's an interesting dynamic that is going to be fun to watch play out as training camp and preseason unfolds. I think that it's going to be interesting to see how the minutes are divided up more so than who starts. Because I think you can start those five guys, kind of give a hat tip to Tony Allen and Zach Randolph during the last years of their contracts. It's possible they come back for less money, but it's also possible that especially in the case of Randolph, one of these teams is going to throw, you know, with the contracts that are going out there now. I mean, Zebo's is still one of the better power forwards in the NBA. You know, somebody could throw a $10 million a year for two-year contract at him, and the Grizzlies won't pay him that, and he might want to go get paid. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I think for the time being, they will see if they can make it work with that starting five, and then you'll maybe see some Vince Carter, some Troy Daniels. I think you'll see multiple ball handlers. I think they're really hoping that Wade Baldwin can help them a little bit this year. Obviously, their backup point card position, one of those two young guys, Harrison or Baldwin, is going to have to play. Oh, so yeah. that's that's going to be interesting to watch, more so <laughs> than starting is how the minutes play out.
0: You don't want Tony Roten running, running point? Oh, I, I don't see. You know, oh, man, I forgot he's back on the team. Yeah, There's a lot of
2: people that like Tony back. Roten surprisingly
0: uh, I, I know I know people too I, I know I know smart basketball people who I whose opinions I trust uh who loved his game in Philadelphia from a I think what? from like a practice yeah no no not oh, on the court yeah. no no not on the court not on the court not on the court no no in practice <laughs> yeah. behind the scenes like he's he, he really has flashes of being like a dynamic the lefty prototype in your head that you think can get to the rim and slash and kick he actually has how, that often, game. Are those, how often are those flashes are they like once a year no, he had flashes in games, but then his cons- his flashes are are mitigated by the fact that he had like oh, you know three turnover minutes and stuff, and you're like, yeah. what the, the hell was that, Tony? Was Come on, man! some damn quick flashes. Yeah, no, <laughs> but yeah, so he's he's clearly not the answer at point guard. He, he'll get minutes in some capacity, but
2: I, really, uh, I don't know. I think he probably won't make the roster. With, you don't think
0: which, so? I, I
2: don't think so. No. Oh, okay. I, got I, Harrison, I thought I knew Harrison
0: got Wade Baldwin. I would have uh, said that Baldwin. I mean, that Baldwin would be your backup point guard, and and then Harrison would be kind of a, a D-leaguer of some kind. Uh,
2: I think they I think they got Harrison in mind to be on the okay. roster.
0: Interesting. Wow, I thought I thought both the Harrisons were awful. That's okay. No, I mean, Harrison has improved for them in the D league. He, uh, he,
2: he played well in the D league. He's kind yeah, of a yeah. D league holdover. Okay. Uh, he played almost the entire season last year with Iowa, and he did got some it. good things. Now he didn't do so well in summer league, but that's summer league. Sometimes right. you do
0: well, sometimes you don't. True. Do you think Deontay Davis? Factors in to, to some minutes too? I
2: think it's possible. I, the Grizzlies yep. front court is deep. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got Jermichael Green. And Jermichael Green on our blog and elsewhere and Grizz Twitter oh, yeah. and all that, uh, he's kind of been rumored to be a, pot- a possible trade piece. Really? Because you look at the Jarrell Martin, you've got Deontay Davis, you've got Brandon Wright. Uh, and then you talked about Chandler Parsons playing the stretch four, which as he gets older is going to be the best use of him. Demichael mm-hmm. Green's going to become pretty expensive for the Grizzlies. And we just talked about how they're not going to have a lot of money to throw around. So it's possible that maybe you see a J. Michael Green, Vince Carter kind of tagged trade. Uh, maybe you just see J. Michael Green sent, but I think don't be surprised that the Grizzlies make some kind of move like that in September or October, trying to, get something back for a piece that probably will not be with them long-term, especially now that they have Deontay Davis on the roster. I like Jermichael
1: Green. I think he's a good player.
2: He is a good player. It's not a knock against him. It's a knock on like where the roster is.
1: Well, so here's the thing about where the roster is, right? So up front, like you said, they have a lot of interesting depth. You talked about you know, hopefully Brandon Wright will be healthy this year. He could certainly play if he's healthy. They've got Green, who I think is kind of an underrated energy guy. They have Jarrell Martin. They have Deontay Davis on the wing and in the backcourt though. I mean, these are a lot of guys who have not really proven themselves over a long period of time. We're talking about, you know, Wade Baldwin as a rookie. Troy Daniels really has not Is kind of, I think his career, his reputation has kind of come from that one playoff game. He had a couple of years ago. He really hasn't stuck around sex since James Ennis. He played really well at the end of last year for new Orleans, but other than that has not really done much. Uh, Harrison was in the D league, uh, you know some of these other guys and uh, to me this is a problem for a couple reasons uh, jordan adams has always been injured so and then carter is going to be 40 years old this year i believe yes <laughs> yeah so yeah. to me to me like a big problem that they have is twofold one is that if they want to play more open they don't have a lot of sort of surplus you know they they're almost kind of forced to play two bigs all the time because they just don't have enough wing and backcourt depth and the other is if there's an injury which i think is a distinct possibility i mean what these are guys that a lot of people don't know like is there a reason for for people to be optimistic about some of these these bench players that they can step in and handle a bigger load if there is an injury
2: well i think with a guy like vince carter you have a veteran presence now he's not going to wow you with his athleticism anymore Mm -hmm. and defensively he's not the best but at the same time Uh, if let's say disaster strikes and Chandler Parsons is out for two months, Uh, if Vince Carter steps in or James Ennis or whoever it might be, you still have Tony Allen and you can just put the lesser scoring threat uh, with Vince Carter and Carter can defend him. Uh, Now it's not an ideal situation by any stretch, but to me looking at this Grizzlies roster, The past couple of years, it seemed like at the beginning of every season, we've been saying this is the deepest team in Grizzlies history. This is the deepest team in Grizzlies history. Look at all this depth, 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 depth. And it didn't really (laughs) get them and it didn't really get them anywhere. So now you're looking at it on the flip side. I think you can argue that, again, health assumed Conley, Randall or Conley, Gasol and Parsons. That's a pretty darn good top three players in terms of comparisons to other teams, not just in the Western Conference, but in the entire NBA. And then Zach Randolph is your fourth option. I mean, Zach is a fourth option. I think that's perfect for what he can bring in the NBA today in 2016, 2017 season. It's going to come down to health. And they're investing in their starting group. And they're trying to develop their youth, aside from Vince Carter. Uh, Vince Carter's the <laughs> exception. Uh, but they're, they've they got younger players on the bench that they're going to try to bring bring along and hope that they can grow into these roles. And, and to me, it's a bit refreshing, to be honest with you. Because after watching the Grizzlies, I mean, they brought in Matt Barnes last season. And, you know, Baino Udra was brought in in the past. And and these are players that, you know, whether it be Beno or Barnes or any of these guys— there's positivity in the way they played, and the you know even Matt Barnes carried himself well on the court for yeah. the Grizzlies at times.
1: I thought he had a good year.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, they were old. I mean, they were one of the oldest teams in the NBA. Yeah. And now, you know, when you're talking about Gasol turning 32 and Conley being 28 or 29, I believe Parsons is 27. Uh, you know, comparatively speaking, the Grizzlies have gotten a lot younger. And to me, that that's reason for optimism. Now, you can worry about the injuries, and I think that's fair, but Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, you know, go up and down sure. the list of guys who have missed a ton of time in recent years, you know, not just Gasol or Conley or Parsons. You know, injuries can strike anybody.
1: That That's true. The concern I have is Gasol... Foot injury, whatever conley 's had the same or similar issues for a while, and as a certain member of this podcast can tell you once <laughs> your sort of Achilles starts to feel sore, it is sort of a, it can be a ticking time bomb if overused to snap yeah that 's what I yeah, fear with yeah. him, and Parsons has had the same knee issue so. It, these are kind of recurring injuries in the same body part that I worry about. I mean, I'm not a doctor. Who knows how it's going to go? But that's where I start to fear and I start to say, well, if Mike Conley misses 15 games, I mean, can Wade Baldwin hold the fort down to keep them, to have them go seven and eight? Or are they doomed? you know, to go five and 10. And that may be the difference in seeding and playoff positioning. And that, that would be my concern, which is why I'm kind of curious if some of these specific players, you think these younger guys are better than what we realize.
2: I think that you'll, see Wade Baldwin a good bit early and i think that he's a guy who the grizzlies love because of his frame they love his length the idea that he can play alongside conley he can let conley play off the ball a little bit more on offense and he can give conley a break on defense baldwin can defend you know a bigger point guard and allow conley to play off the ball maybe take a guy who's a smaller shooting guard uh, off to the side i think that's going to be beneficial i think that the depth in the front court makes you feel a little bit better about Gasol. Now, Gasol and Conley both have been fully cleared. They are both healthy and ready to go. They're full tilt for training camp. The Grizzlies have already said they're going to be cautious with Gasol, but he's 100% medically ready. Uh, Chandler Parsons is not uh, after his knee surgery. He's still limited, and he'll be reevaluated weekly. But it's something where... Like I said, they had to do something, and there's only so much you can do. You're not going to convince LeBron James to leave Cleveland for Memphis. You're not going to trade Tony Allen and two first round picks for Giannis out of Milwaukee. You know, there's only so much that you can realistically do within the scope of your roster. And I think that they have done an admirable job of trying to find a way to transition to what comes next after grit and grind which is, like I said, starting this year as far as a lot of us are concerned. What comes next after that? They're transitioning into that period while still trying to stay relevant in the Western Conference. And I think that they've done all they can do to do both of those to the best of their ability.
0: All right. Well, let's get some fan questions. I think we have, uh, we've, we've kind of hit on most of these topics. So I think the fans were actually pretty on point with what we were thinking. Um, and the listeners were always kind of, on par with what we're thinking mike which is which is nice to be in tune right yeah they should They maybe they should host a podcast maybe they should host a podcast. <laughs> hmm, everyone else does right um all right cool let's see first uh, this is from jason uh it just goes by jason all right are the grizzlies on a slow but inevitable decline towards a rebuild i think we kind of hit on this so i don't think we necessarily need to get too far into this i think the answer uh as joe has put it here is uh rebuild what rebuild Kind of. they're trying to do both at the same
2: time that's right and that's Two what they're trying to do time. they're trying to do be a five four six com- seed conversation in the west mm-hmm. while re-establishing their roster and making parsons whether you agree with it or not uh th- their new piece in place of what Zach randolph was right I-, I think that is what is happening and it's a more modern version and it's a you know stretch for ability to be versatile on the wing. Like you said, he can create off the dribble on the pick and roll just like anybody else. Him and Brandon Wright to me are potentially an awesome duo to watch. I think there's a lot of mismatches you can create with a Brandon Wright who's a master of the roll to the basket and then Chandler Parsons uh, with with the ball in his hands. So they're trying to do both at the same time. How successful they're going to be uh, is up for question.
1: It should be noted that Memphis, this is definitely a you cannot tear it down and rebuild market. And I think you've Hit on it, but it, it's really important because they have developed an identity in a fan base that is it's very perilous, a, a market that is not obviously a basketball market, and they've built something. And you can't just you can't just tear down and rebuild. And that's sort of the uneasy tension that I think is sort of underlying everything that happens with the Grizzlies, which is they've built this identity, they've built this sort of this rallying cry for a city. They frankly did a masterful job, but that that is run its course or running its course and so what do you do to kind of keep that group there without while still transitioning the team it's very difficult and i I, we said it but i I just think it needs to be said um now let's see other questions And
2: real quick before we move on from that i I just want to make sure i would be uh remiss if i didn't say memphis is a different place and if people have never been there or if they don't you know follow the team closely It's a different city. Uh, There is a very legitimate argument that one of the main reasons Memphis wanted the Grizzlies in the first place was to improve race relations. Now, it sounds crazy to say that in 1999, 2000, when they were trying to get the team to move there all the way to 2001. Mm -hmm. But that's a fact. And the Memphis Grizzlies have done a world of good for that city, whether it's working with schools and kids and the educational system, whether it's pumping new revenue into the city, the Grizzlies have helped make Memphis a much better place. And it's been a a rebirth of the city that has kind of been connected to the past 15 years so it, it goes deeper than basketball and it's cliche to say that but it's true in memphis and that's one of the reasons we were talking before we started the show and I mean, i'm from virginia you know i lived in memphis tennessee for three years and i love the memphis grizzlies i love following them i love watching the team and it's because of what they mean to the city more than anything that is basketball related at this point mm-hmm. point. and i don't think you can say that about many professional sports teams i think that's what makes them special
0: yep yeah, no, it's interesting. I like when you can kind of tie this into a larger point. And it makes sense. Like, I get it. I, I wasn't really thinking about the larger socioeconomics behind why you really can't tank and rebuild. And I, as a fan of the Sixers, it's just not the case. They're an institution. They're part of the NBA history, etc. Right. You know, I see where Memphis is trying to still create that mark. And I, I kind of appreciate that perspective. Um, Let's get to a couple more questions. Um, they're good ones. Uh, real quick, we kind of hit on these already, but I just want to say thanks to TM Morning, one of our frequent listeners. Thanks for hitting us with that question about Zach Randolph. I hope we got to uh, how he fits with Gasol and and uh, Connolly and Parsons and that new nucleus. Um, let's see. One of my favorite questions. Let's see. Sean Woods, can the Grizz do away with their current uniforms in favor of the red sounds? If people <laughs> have not seen the red sounds yet, they're the hardwood classics, Grizzlies jerseys. They are... Fantastic. Best Mike Prater league. says they're the best, best the alternate
2: league. jerseys in the league. They're pretty Duh. solid. I like them too. I made sure I got myself a Memphis Sounds t-shirt when, uh, <laughs> when, when those came out. I'm not a Jersey guy, but the t-shirts are pretty cool. And the Grizzlies, uh, and it kind of goes with what we were talking about before, they get Memphis. I mean, they get the people, they get the vibe, the culture, Whether it's the sounds jerseys, like you guys just mentioned, or the Martin Luther King Jr. celebration jerseys, which created a lot more controversy than I thought they would, Um, I think they're tremendous. I mean, first off, they look really cool, and on a much grander, more important scale, they they connect very well to the National Civil Rights Museum. Again, one of the most powerful things about Memphis is going to visit that site where Dr. King was assassinated, and you know they get why they're there. Yep. And they get that. Obviously, you want to be competitive. Obviously, you want to win a championship. But the civic moments and the civic unity. And again, it sounds cliche like you're watching a sports movie. But, you know, having 19,000 people walking out of a building chanting Zebo after a playoff win that, you know, never would have talked to each other, never would have sure. high-fived one another walking down the street, would have given each other a strange eye. That still happens in Memphis. And, and that is something that shows the power of sports yep. and why the Grizzlies mean so much. So, those sounds jerseys are awesome. And I think that the Grizzlies, that, that's just one of the many exa- examples of them really showing that they get the community that is in Memphis. I,
1: I'd be happy to review them, the sounds jerseys, uh, Memphis marketing <laughs> people. If you, uh, you know, just um, uh, whatever you need me to do, uh, just just let me know. Um, I'm like happy to.
0: Yeah, Mike Preda at SBNation.com
1: Yeah, you can even you can even call me my phone. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> just whatever <laughs> what you, you need. Yes, I'm I'm happy to to do what's needed. Um, just uh, you know, I just need to kind of make sure I feel the the jersey so I get the best uh, the best idea of what it kind of entails. I, I just kind of have to I have to kind of play around with it so to speak. So I just the, the next you know. time
0: the next <laughs> time we do a Facebook Live show or something, we'll wear them. Right. OK. The
2: sounds review. That sounds okay. good.
0: OK. I so, into that. Hey, that was good. That sounds good. That's that's <laughs> that sounds like an easy pun. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, last guy. Last question. I would, one only because we did not mention his name and it's kind of a funny one. See, Robert Flom, uh, will Jordan Adams get run in the rotation? If so, how comfortable are you with that happening?
2: Well, if if we're talking about concerns with knee injuries, uh, you should be much more concerned about Jordan Adams than Chandler Parsons. I mean, Jordan Adams had a, uh, I believe it was the exact wording in the release, was a knee cartilage replacement surgery, which sounds kind of serious. Um, The the word is he probably won't be ready until January at the earliest. With a player like that who hasn't been around in a long time, uh, I don't see him being much to Memphis. And that's one of those stories, you know, Hindsight's always 2020, 20, but Rodney Hood, who's now at the Utah Jazz and looks pretty good, was right there, sitting there, waiting for the Memphis oh, Grizzlies at oh, that yeah. pick, and they went with Jordan Adams, and oh, you know you you saw flashes of Jordan Adams, great score, the guy could get to the ball, get to the rim, shoot the three, guy could put the rock in the basket, but at the same time. You know, he just can't stay healthy. You, you talk about health concerns. To me, Jordan Adams, of everybody on the Grizzlies roster, I think he is the one that I am most worried about, not just in terms of this season, but potentially with the Grizzlies again. And it's terrible to say that. I hope Jordan can come back and be healthy and ready to go. But he just hasn't shown the capacity to be able to do that.
1: It sounds like Dave Yeager was on the other line talking about Rodney Hood and Jordy Adams. Uh, I guess he made an appearance. As a, for those who don't know, this was uh, did he did he explicitly say reference Rodney Hood? I mean, there's been always been reporting that he's sort of constantly been complaining that he wanted Rodney Hood.
2: He wanted Rodney Hood and every once in a while it would kind of be a needling kind of thing like when they played the jazz he'd be like oh you know and rodney hood goes off 25 points rodney hood's a hell of a ball player
1: <laughs> you know something like that
2: you know he would I, if he did explicitly say it it wouldn't surprise me i would have missed it in a soundbite but i've heard him multiple times just kind of be like oh you know the great young wings in the game the rodney hoods the <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> one of those kinds of things the backhanded ooh oh yeah you're just reminding us that you didn't like our draft pick fair enough <laughs>
0: Nice. Well, let's get to the predictions part of this uh, where we get to kind of, I don't know, get on the record. That's always fun. We can come back later on in the year and we'll have you on again and we'll say, Remember what you thought the Grizzlies were? And then let's see, they were 42 and 40 last season. <laughs> so 42 and 40 is, is right around the same mark like with last podcast we did was the Rockets. What, what 41 was and 41. What was their over under the
1: Grizzlies? This 43 and under?
0: a half. For, yeah, 43 and a half. So Vegas has them at 43 and a half. They think the roster's improved. That would put them phew, probably. That's right around the eight seven, seven eight area. According
2: to the Vegas numbers, that would have them as the seven seed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh let's have Joe go first and then Mike, as always, you can come come down with the pessimistic hammer of truth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you should get that trademark. Current. The, the, the <laughs>
1: pessimistic
0: hammer of truth.
2: Um well I, I think in we at grizzlybear we're gonna do our own little over-under challenge this season. We're looking forward to it. Right. Uh you know, it's so fascinating to to look at this Grizzlies team because this season can go a variety of ways. I really do think that if everything hits right, if if everybody stays healthy, plays you know seventy to eighty games, if that starting lineup can gel quickly, I think this team can win fifty games. And I think that would put them right in that three seed, four seed host a home court. What they've been the past, you know, in that conversation, the past two, three, four years. That is a realistic possibility for them, but a lot of things have to happen good for that to happen. On the flip side, I think you can see them not in the playoffs entirely. And that, to me, is the flip of it where it would be a lot of bad things have to happen. Now you're assuming that two or three of their stars are going down with injury. And if you're going to assume that about the Grizzlies, I think you need to assume that about a lot of other teams, with a lot of other players who have potential injury concerns. So I don't know if that's necessarily fair either. Uh, my prediction for them, and I kind of waver on this, if I'm talking over under a 43, I would take the over. I would probably go 46 and 36. And I think that puts them in the six seed, five seed. I think that's realistic because you have to be honest with yourself. Parsons, Conley, Gasol, one of those guys is probably going to miss some time. And the bench is not that deep. And they don't have a ton of pieces to try to rectify that. Mm -hmm. So I waver by a game or two by the day. But but sitting here with you fine gentlemen, (laughs) I'm going to say 46 and 36. That probably puts them in the five or six seed conversation. All right. Mike,
1: there are a couple things that really worry me uh, if about the Grizzlies. One is I, is Conley's health, and the guy is a war, absolute warrior, one of the league's most underrated players for years and years. But I just fear that he's had so many nicks and bruises, and so many t- times where he's played through the same sort of foot problems, and now he's got the the Achilles problem and all that. I, I just worry that we have seen the best of what he has to offer. And I, I I just, I worry it might snap and that, that would be devastating. If the Grizzlies lose Mike Conley for a long period of time, I think you can kiss their playoff hopes goodbye. And I I think that's, that's one fear. And the other fear I have with them, and I think this is sort of kind of, you go back to their identity, their sort of identity kind of concern or whatever. I I think this is going to be a real challenge for Fisdale as a first time head coach to, kind of manage this transition because you got, like you have said, there are four guys, there are four really proud players, really close players. They played a certain way and it takes, I think a lot of gravitas to move them, even if they believe it intellectually, into a new style of play that may be required. And then you toss in that this is the last year of, isn't this Tony Allen and Zach Randolph, I believe are in contract years. Yes. This right. is their last year. Uh, and then you have some of the other stars that are on long-term contracts. To me, this is going to be an interesting challenge for Fisdale. And, uh, you know, I think he's, Got a really smart guy. Clearly qualified to be a head coach in this league. It's Turned down other great opportunities. But there's a big difference between being the assistant and being the guy who's on the other side of the bench. And I, I'm going to be watching that all year. So, you know, to me, it, it, this is the toughest team to predict. If I'm picking an over-under, I'm not betting this over-under. Um, but I think there are too many things that could go wrong. And so I think the Grizzlies will not make the playoffs if I had wow. to. Guess. Not make the playoffs.
2: Not make the playoffs.
1: If some of these guys – and, you know, one, one underrated key of the season, I'll say, is I think they need one of these sort of kind of bargain-free Asian signings, either Troy Daniels or James Ennis, to give them something more than what anyone can expect. Ennis was really good at the end of last year for New Orleans. Nobody was watching them except for me maybe once or twice. I but. watch
0: Ennis, guys. By the way, I do watch Ennis. He's one of the players I follow because he went to one of my alma maters. and I went to two schools that don't play sports well. So okay, having a Long Beach player okay. in the league is, is nice. Casper uh, Ware. May, might make a team again at some point too okay so
1: if Ennis can give him some good minutes i think that'll help alleviate their sort of wing problem but i don't know to me i just think there are too many there are too many things that i feel like could go wrong health wise uh I, this transition it's a too many questions I, it would really not surprise me if memphis makes the playoffs like i'm not i don't feel very confident about how to project them i think there's too many unknowns but I, to me, it's too much uncertainty to project them as a surefire playoff team. And I, I should, clear, should say, too, that they did everything right this summer. They did everything they could. They had no other options, but they're in a tough spot. And I don't know. To me, that I'm, I'm worried about all those factors. Okay,
0: okay. So I'll play the middle ground here because I think that is actually where I fall. Um I hate predicting injuries into these. I mean, that's factored into these over-unders. That's why they're at. If, if, if Vegas predicted full health for every team, uh, they would probably predict that Memphis would be a, like, I'm in my opinion, again, like a 46 to 47 win team at a minimum. Um, because I think that if you could project full health for that kind of call it the nucleus, we've been talking about the entire time. I think they're at, uh, at least a 46, 47 win team, if not probably in that 50 win plus range. Um, so that's one part of it, but, I, I remember last season the, the start being unbelievably bad. They got obliterated by Cleveland, and within the first, like, 15 games of the year, they had already had, like, seven, five or six, I should say, uh, absolute blowout losses to other good teams, like Portland. Uh, they had a, you know double-digit loss to Utah. They got killed Golden by Golden State, State a couple <laughs> times. That's right. You know, beat by, like, 50 by Golden State. Uh, or was it 60? What was it? Was it 60? it was 50 50, 50 okay 51 okay. i believe but it was like 190 anyway the point being that they it was demoralizing and those are weird ways to lose professional sporting events that's like what USA would do to um like Nigeria in, in circa 2001 you know uh in, in international basketball but like this is that's an NBA game and and so i think that start to this year is really important not just because the new coach and because you have kind of no excuse about health really being an issue aside from jordan adams um I think the start's really important. It'll show where they are within the hierarchy of the Western Conference, which I do think at a high end is that fourth best team uh, potentially. Uh, At a low end, I think it's still the eighth best team. And So I I see them as a 44 uh, and 38 team. So that's my prediction. Just keep in mind that
2: they won 42 games last year with 28 yep. dudes on the roster, including totally. Jordan Farmar. <laughs> that's
0: <laughs> so true. Yeah, so that's I,
2: I, we, we watched some pretty piss-poor basketball last year, and they still found a way to win 42 games. Yeah, so I, I would say I understand all the arguments you're making, but at the yes. same time, to, to say this team performs worse than a team that had 28 people on it that included Jordan Farmar and <laughs> Ryan Hollins? To me, that's a stretch. I have a hard time seeing the under. Um, but I could also certainly see them not performing above the over very much. They're a hard team to predict.
1: Now, it should be noted that they their point differential was a 35-win team last year. Now, it also should be noted that Memphis consistently outperforms their point differential. That's They're exactly right. There's sort of right. a quirk in the system, but seven wins more than their point differential, it's usually not that big a, big a gap. So I don't know if I, yeah they made the playoffs last year as a forty two win team, but they had that really bad beginning and they totally limped at the end and you know we'll see I, I I I know you're I know you're saying like let's not bake in the health concerns, but they to me these are recurring health on okay, the same injury, so that's where I I fear.
0: Well, let me let me ask you this, Mike, and I guess we can just kind of we can tie this all together because I think the placement within the West here is important. Are they? Do you see them as being uh, worse off than Houston and Dallas and maybe Minnesota, Utah, in that kind of the range?
1: Honestly, I can't look at it that way because I, I don't know what team's going to end the season. I mean, that, to fair. me, this is a total punt on a prediction. All the fears I have, like I just. Uh, to feel do not feel particularly confident in them like i just i have absolutely no clue they could land it. they could land anywhere from third to i don't know like maybe 10. if everything goes wrong is are they are they worse than denver
0: yeah yeah that that feels like both conferences this year there's just so much parity and so many question marks for so many teams a lot of movement new coaches superstars that have moved around that that three through ten two you know three through ten in the west uh and you know two through twelve in the east is is so close um, so interesting stuff here for the sake of, uh, Joe Mullinax, who is nice enough to join us tonight on the, on the limited upside podcast. I hope that, uh, we go way over that over that. They're like a 50 win team <laughs> city is happy. <laughs> Memphis is feeling their Grizzlies again. And the new version, uh, of the Grindhouse is, is reinstalled into a TNT's public. Cause when you can get, uh, Barkley down to, to, um, to memphis that's really the best publicity you can get they're fantastic all the all the national sports personalities rave when they go to memphis it's always one of my favorite parts about when the memphis grizzlies are in the playoffs is getting that national coverage for the city that i know you like so much joe
2: absolutely there's nothing better and it's become a bit of a tradition you know they've they've made the playoffs now i believe six straight seasons and and the grizzlies are hoping to make it seven and and i do want to make sure and i agree with mike on this. you guys pointed this out Even the be- best beat writers, you know, the Chris Harrington's, who's very well respected, not just in Memphis, but nationally. And, you know, a lot of people say the same thing. This Grizzlies team is hard to predict. If yep. things break right, they could be the three seed. And that's not an over-exaggeration. On the flip side, they, if things go wrong, they could be the 10 seed. And that's not an over-exaggeration. Uh, to say yep. that this is the hardest team to predict in the NBA, I think is very fair, especially in the Western Conference. Uh, this is a team that it, they have a lot of variables. I believe Zach Lowe uh, put it best. He called them a well-built house of cards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that's, <laughs> that's a, a great way of putting perfect. it. I think that's perfect. They they did everything they could. There There's a sound construction idea there, but one foul breeze, and it could all topple
0: over very quickly. That's possible for sure. <laughs> nice. Well, that's a good way to end it, because I think that's a great summation. Uh, Joe Mullinex, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Happy yeah. to come on. Happy to do it anytime.
0: Nice. Very nice. Well, hopefully the season goes well. We're having and we'll have you on for uh, some kind of uh, congratulatory playoffs. You told us. So uh, a podcast <laughs> months and months from now. Um, Fingers crossed. Yes, yeah, that's right. Look for uh, look for Joe's stuff on Grizzly Bear Blues. Uh, Pray to any closing comments, my friend.
1: No, not really. Uh, cool. Yeah, you know, we'll cool. see. We'll see how this team goes. Uh, next up, by the way, to all our all our friends, we got Dallas, another team that I have no idea how to predict. Uh, as last year proved. So that should be fun as well.
0: Tremendous. More predictions where we end up giving you guys question marks, because that's what everyone wants in a prediction from a pundit is is more more questions. And until then, I'll end that with limited upside podcast.